You're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of Commentary Trek Stars, a show which looks at the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm Gorbachev. And today we are going to be taking a look at Nicholas Meyer's sixth movie. That sounds right. Company Business. Business Company. This is part six in our series on Nicholas Meyer as a director. And Company Business is uh, a movie which was released in 1991, which yep. is significant. September of 1991. It is significant. So, Max? Ah, would you like to give a synopsis of company business? Sure. Um, this is an odd movie, um, but it follows some basic spy conventions. It starts with Gene Hackman, a grizzled old timey spy who's retired from the game, being brought back in by Clarence Bodiger from RoboCop and John Locke from Lost to go into, you know, East Berlin, what was walled off, and do a little spy exchange taking one of their prisoners and exchanging it for one of uh, one of their american prisoners and with the soviet union right obviously yeah and uh this is while the soviet union is you know disassembling itself gradually but uh, apparently there's still some um, some factions in there that are active because it turns out that it's a trap of some kind uh, because the guy that they were going to get wasn't the guy that they were going to get. It was a different guy who was actually from America right there and he wasn't a prisoner the whole time. But then it turns out he was the guy that they were going to get. And then because they know that, the bad guys on both sides, the CIA and the KGB, both want these two guys killed uh, and they get away. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much the basic the basic idea, and it goes from there, and it becomes almost sort of like a buddy movie, a buddy spy movie. He doesn't go from there. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, like 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 forty minutes in. Oh, okay, okay. The exchange okay. goes down, and but, and if you're reviewing it, you're like, what just happened? But the the idea the idea behind <laughs> it is like when the exchange goes south. Um, Gene Hackman and Mikhail Baryshnikov, who plays the Russian spy who's being mm-hmm. exchanged. Um, sort of realize that both of them are are mere pawns in a larger uh, game. Right, because the KGB actually did have a spy, and it was the guy that they were going to get. But what, but he was pretending to be a different guy. But 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 whatever those things are, you know, the the idea, <laughs> the, the broad strokes are that these two guys decide to. I understand that you want to keep the narrative clean. Their own hands. You want to keep the narrative clean. Uh-huh. All right, so let's just say that two sides conspire with each other uh, in order to maintain this ridiculous sort of arrangement that they've got going on. Because you know they're all part of these systems that have been designed to do spying. I mean, like their entire world is collapsing. The whole Cold War destruct the, the the end of the Cold War means the end of all these people's jobs. So I mean, they don't they don't really want that to happen. So I mean, they're trying to secure their their own positions for the future. But and, order- of course, Gene Hackman and, and Baryshnikov get caught in the middle. And Baryshnikov dances and does gymnastics. It's impressive stuff. I think he's a, a, a ballerino, right? <laughs> Is it a ballerino? Didn't we learn that on an earlier commentary where you said, what do you call a male ballerina? Is oh, it did ballerino? I say that? And then I looked it up and it actually was ballerino? That sounds ridiculous. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um... 
but but that it, just just to sort of give people an idea of what they would be in for when they were watching the movie, what type of what this movie is like, you know, not not in terms of just like the plot mechanics, but in terms of like kind of what it is. It's essentially a buddy spy movie with Ex- Gene Hackman uh, and Mikhail Baryshnikov. Except it's there's not so much buddy no. as there is walking and talking. Well, sure, but but I mean, they become they they have their drink, their starka. <laughs> they have a drink. <laughs> they have a drink together, uh-huh. and when they're having that drink, get ready because the movie's over. Well, no, they have the drink throughout. <laughs> um, but yes, okay. So, what what were your thoughts on the movie? Uh, I I went into this thinking, all right, Nicholas Myers movie. I haven't seen this. Will be interesting, and I was like. It's kind of neat how it's got this thing, it's got that thing, and then like the little like the prisoner exchange scene happened, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be cool. This is gonna be intricate. Like, wh- why is that guy pretending to be a different guy? And d- like, what happened to the guy that they were trying to get?" And then there's a point where Gene Hackman's character says to the other guy, "Like, come on, dummy, haven't you figured it out? He's a double agent." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Really? That's it? That's..." Kind it, of a letdown. So you didn't. Uh... No, uh, the movie falls apart. I, I mean, like it doesn't. It's not like it's it's terrible, but like there's basically no ending. Uh, it like the, when the movie ends. Okay, you remember Ghost Protocol? Yeah. Imagine if they escape from Russia. Credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- that's that's how this movie ends. Like they get away. Credits. Yeah. And and Spoilers. when it happened, I was shocked because like it seemed like this is like an extra twenty minutes. There's still like twenty minutes oh, yeah, left. No, I mean thing. that's I, I, <laughs> I had the same impression. You know, like I watched it and then it ended, and then I literally had to rewind the movie and watch the last scene again so that I could see the ending. You know, because I thought that there was going to be you know, there's some stuff which doesn't seem to be resolved, and it's the type of thing where I guess when you're watching it, you think like. Okay, I know that this is going to happen, and I know that this is going to happen, and now I got to see it happen. And they were just like, "Nah, we don't need to show it to you. You know what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen. Whatever, movie's but over." The the problem is that I don't know what's going to happen because I think mm-hmm. that the implication is that none of those things happened. Well, maybe I think the implication is that these guys did get away, but mm-hmm. they also didn't really succeed. Yeah, they kind of just succeeded at not being the patsies. Mm-hmm. So everybody kind of won. Yes. Now, um, my, my my personal thoughts on the movie are that uh, it was it was good. I liked it. I liked it more than the Deceivers. And I, um, uh, what was the one that we watched before the Deceivers? Volunteers. Volunteers. I liked it more than Volunteers. Um, but uh, you know, ultimately, I don't think it's as good as uh, some of his earlier stuff, like The Day After or Time After Time. So I guess it's kind of like middle of the road, Meyer. Um, but uh, I, I thought it was a you know I thought it worked as a spy movie. You know, I, I thought that the intrigue and everything was was uh, was cool. Some of it was a little cliche, like the whole like Terry O'Quinn storyline and his portrayal. It, like with his him and his sweets and everything, I'm like, uh, yeah. could you hit the nail on the head just a little bit harder? Because uh, I'm not exactly sure what you're trying to, to to imply here or whatever. But you know, the performances I thought were 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 pretty good, and uh, I thought that the movie was really well constructed. And 
I, I really liked the um, a lot of the technical aspects, you know, like the editing, which we, you know we can talk about later on again by Ronald Roos. And there's a shot of them of of, of Baryshnikov and and uh, Hackman going down some stairs into the underground area mm-hmm. fairly early on to the movie. I thought it was amazing. Uh, I wanted that shot to be like a Windows background. It, it had a, a glossy quality, which is not usually present in Meyer, Meyer's movies, aside from like Star Trek VI. And uh, also, I, I really loved the music, which was by Michael Kamen, and it was like Michael Kamen at his most diehardish. You know, I mean, it's it almost like if they would was it diehard Kamen. It, it it could have been Die Hard came and it it uh, it sounded almost more Die Hard than Die Hard. So yeah, on the whole, I mean, I th- I think it was a, a very entertaining uh, movie. Didn't have much uh, in terms of uh, depth, but uh, but that's sort of the the, the trick because mm-hmm. you think there's more. Maybe, but maybe just because it's Meyer, you think there's going to be more. I don't know. I, well, I mean. I th- I thought of it like you know when 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 I go into a spy movie, I maybe this is just me. Maybe it's just me uh, because I mean like I've you know when when you read a few you know, Le Carre novels, mm-hmm. you get it into your head that when you read when you go into a spy story, it's going to be intricate and deep, and layered, and there's going to be all kinds of cool stuff that you're going to discover over the course of the story, and um, with spy movies. Time after time, I go into a spy movie volunteering to be deceived. Mm -hmm. And apparently, the whole film industry, their standard operating procedure, it's like company business for them, is... Let's just give them a, let's just give them a conspiracy that they can figure out in like 30 seconds so that they feel satisfied as viewers. And so I go in there to regularly be disappointed by very well-tread and very extremely discovered country. Very disappointing. I mean, I'm putting myself in their wrath on a regular basis, and I feel conned. You know, I think the fact that it's Nicholas Meyer is uh, tainting, at least my opinion of it, a bit. You know, if, if someone were to just put this movie in front of me and I were to watch it, I'd be like... Yeah, does good. You know, I'm going to swear a vendetta against spy movies. But for it to be a, a Meyer movie, uh, it, it doesn't live up to the high standard which uh, he he's usually at, or which he's sometimes at. Looking at uh, this movie from Meyer's perspective, if you read the view from the bridge, he. Uh, seems to be pretty proud of most of his work. Even even when the critics uh, sort of bashed some of his movies, like Volunteers, he was like, you know, I'm happy with it. You know, it, maybe maybe it didn't play to, to the audience like I had been hoping, but, uh, you know, it, it, I still think that, that I did what I, I set out to do. I, I think it's because Meyer is an actual artist. Mm-hmm. And if the thing makes his point, right. then that was his goal, which I think is something that I, I wish more filmmakers had, that yeah. sense that it doesn't really matter how well it does or how it's received if you made your point. 
And I think that that's a really cool thing that we can talk about a filmmaker like Nicholas Meyer and talk about him as an artist, his point of view and what he's trying to say. Whereas I think a lot of modern filmmakers, you know, things don't get well received and they get depressed. But I mean, honestly, what, what are the, what are the, the statements? What are the, the sociological, political, moral, ethical statements being made by any of these things? I can't think of any movie that I've seen in the past few years that was as intricate as any of his movies. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that that necessarily has anything to do with time. I think that's a general thing. I think if you were to look at uh, the movies from the time period that he was making movies, you'd see a similar pattern. You know, it's not, um, uh, I think that he's just sort of an outlier in general, you know. And there are people today who are doing things like that. I mean, you could look to Christopher Nolan and I say, do, and that's the one I can yeah. think of. But um, and that's the problem when there's only no, one person you can think of. No, that's there, not good. I mean, there's others. You know, I mean, as much as you hate him, I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson is doing that. That's ridiculous. You know, and but uh, yeah, I you know, I, the I one, think Tarantino did that with Django, but I'm not even sure if that was intentional. I think it definitely was intentional. I mean, he's talked about that a, a lot. You know, um. But but as far as Meyer's career is concerned, you know, in looking at that book, the one movie which he does not seem to be happy with is Company Business. He he uh, had to make a lot of compromises and uh, just in order to get the movie made, it sounds like. And uh, in the end, you know, the finished product doesn't quite resemble what he had originally envisioned. Um for one thing, the original title was called Dinosaurs, and, and that's a reference to it being... Um, Set in the Paleozoic era. Right. And about uh, two um, outdated... A velociraptor and a triceratops. No, two out, outdated spies. <laughs> you know, spies from a different era. You know, the idea Cartoon that, dinosaurs, yes. One working for Russia, one working for the United States. Mm-hmm. And while, while Gene Hackman... Um, is age appropriate? Mikhail Baryshnikov really is not. I mean, you can even see that in the movie. There's a whole thing with you know his daughter, and he's like, yeah, they even comment on it. Can like, you? Yeah, because I, I I have no idea how old that guy is in this movie. He doesn't seem to be the same age as Gene Hackman. He seems too young. He seems younger, but I don't. I I didn't think of him as being like so young that he couldn't have had an adult daughter. Well, no. I mean, they make it work for the story. It, it does work in the movie, but it could have worked better. If uh, that character had been older, I think, you know, it would have just been there would have been less explanation. Or at least looked older. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, and and I think while while uh, you know Baryshnikov and Hackman's performances are are fine, um, from what you know Meyer was saying and what everyone else in Hollywood says, Gene Hackman may may or may not be the easiest person to work with in Hollywood. Now. The the interesting thing about this movie is that uh, it came right before Meyer was offered Star Trek VI. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the plot and the themes and uh, the message of Star Trek VI, um, it's very, very similar in a lot of ways to company business. Mm -hmm. Like, eerily so. Not really. Not eerie. It's it's eerie in a bit. It, were you were you sense. freaked? Were you creeped out by the eeriness of the similarities to the plot? Uh, when I was watching Company Business and I saw how similar it was, I felt a, a, a bit of a, a shudder go down my spine. That's really bizarre. I I thought it was just kind of funny how um, 
it seemed like, like the Cold War did sort of define the, the culture, mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of you know just media in general was shaped by it. A lot of the way people think about things was shaped by the the political dynamic at play, and I mean it's why we had things like you know uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, a ripoff of the Puppet Masters. I mean like all of those things, like those things are, are the result of you know, political concerns. So like these large scale, you know, global concerns end up filtering down into the subconscious of individuals and that subconscious ends up informing the large scale political status of things. And so it makes sense that there would be a lot of, you know, art that represents that particular dynamic. So seeing the downfall of the Soviet Union and how that shapes the art for the next few years makes a lot of sense. And we know because of what happened in the later years, that the down that the end of the Cold War was a very significant thing for the intelligence community throughout the world. That the end of you know knowing who the bad guy was was rather significant. It made it very difficult for intelligence operatives to know what the hell to do with themselves. And so Star Trek Six seems prescient, and company business seems sort of like obvious. Like, of course they'd be confused. Of course they wouldn't know what to do. And of course they would be somewhat self-serving in their in their activities. Of course, like, you know, the, the, the political operatives on both sides are going to, like, at least have a tacit agreement to work to make sure that they're okay. Because once the, once the Iron Curtain falls and once, you know, they start dissolving Russia, the KGB is going to be in some trouble. And the CIA, they're going to, like, either be, you know, like you know, replaced, fired, or just discontinued because there's a huge industry there. So what happens when the industry has no supply or demand? It just collapses. So it makes sense that this would happen. Of course, we'd have lots of things that are about it. And of course, we'd end up not knowing who the bad guy is and then, you know, getting hit by terrorists. But, I mean, I I don't disagree with any of that. And if it was just a case of, like, uh, you know, Nicholas Meyer making two Cold War movies back-to-back, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. But, like, there's a, a lot of stuff um, in, in the two, like, the, the take, like, the, the uh, what he has to say about the Cold War is um, uh, very, very similar in both movies. I really do think that it was a case of, like, he's like, Cold War is ending. I've got something to say with that. I'm going to do that in company business. Company business gets made. He's like, I wasn't able to say what I wanted to say with that movie. Let me try it again here in Star Trek Six. Right. You know, and and like there's there's like I mean just the the whole concept of 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 the movie. You know, like even the original title, Dinosaurs. You know, it the idea that that these guys who Star were Star Trek 6 called very, them dinosaurs very yeah they, they were very uh important you know they had like some of the Captain most, Kirk has to go back in time to rescue some dinosaurs the most important jobs to keep them from going extinct you know during the cold war now all of a sudden they're completely useless mm-hmm. and uh you know Star Trek 6 same idea you know mm-hmm. Captain Kirk dealing with the fact that He's no longer needed. He's obsolete. Regardless, um, you know the similarities between Company Business and Star Trek Six are, are are very striking, and and the fact that that they were released three months apart, I think, is also really interesting. I think it would make for actually a really good double feature. Something which I'm, 
I'm, I'm very curious about, about, and I think I'm going to try that at some point relatively soon. So we're in agreement that Star Trek VI is the uh, superior film of the two, correct? Yeah, it has an ending. <laughs> also, um, an, an interesting little uh, Meyer trademark again is, you know, we've talked about how he, he's obsessed with the bridge on the River Kwai. Another thing which he seems to be obsessed with, the Eiffel Tower. Paris, but in, in particular the Eiffel Tower. He brings it up in in uh, the third Sherlock Holmes book. Yeah. He he brings it up in Confessions of a Homing Pigeon. Well, because both of those things have France segments. No, but like the way that he brings it up, like and also like not just the Eiffel Tower, but like going to the top of it. Mm-hmm. In Sherlock Holmes, he's like, it's kind of, you know, it's very touristy to go up to the top of the Eiffel Tower, but it's one of those things that even though it's a hassle and everything, you got to wait in line and you got to do it. And, uh, you know, Sherlock Holmes is no exception. He has to do it, too. And, you know, when he said that, I was like, because I, I and then and then Confessions of a Homing Pigeon, you know, his main characters operate the elevators um, for like a chapter. Yeah, for like a chapter. And now in this one, the climax of the movie involves going up to the Eiffel Tower and everything. And, and it was weird because I, I just came back from Paris and uh, we went to the Eiffel Tower. And it was one of those things where, like, if you say to me, like, do you want to go up to the Eiffel Tower? I'd be like, sure. And then you say, okay, well, it costs 20 bucks and you got to wait in line for 45 minutes. And I'd be like, oh, no, definitely not. It's not a ride. There's nothing about that which sounds appealing to me. Yeah. But I have to say, I have to say, reading, uh, you know, the the uh, the Canary Trainer, uh, and and hearing him say like Sherlock Holmes, hearing him say Sherlock Holmes says, you got to do it. It made me think for an extra split second. Do I have to do it? Because Sherlock Holmes says I have to do it. And the Sherlock Holmes being written by Nicholas Meyer, I kind of think I have to do this. And then we get there, and then they're like, you want to do it? And I'm like, no. Nicholas Meyer says that John Watson says that Sherlock Holmes no, says no, that no. you've got to go to it the wasn't top John of the Watson. Tower. It wasn't John Watson because that was the one which was narrated by Holmes himself. That's right. So, so It's know. only two two levels down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Um, I've seen the Eiffel Tower. I'm not impressed. Well, living in Chicago, I guess, you know, we're not going to be as easily impressed with it as some because we've got the Willis Tower. Whatever that is. I don't know what that is. You Pretty can, sure you're talking about the Sears Tower. Yeah, where you can but, jump off of it uh, and fight robots and stuff. That's that's what you do. Mm-hmm. It costs $20 and it's a 45-minute line, but, I mean, you can do that. So... Uh, there, there were a number of Star Trek collaborators on on this project. Uh, Clarence Boddicker. Is he the guy from RoboCop? Yeah, Kurtwood Smith is his name, and uh, he Riker's commanding officer. Too. Yeah, Kurt, Kurtwood Smith uh, would go on to to be in uh, Star Trek Six. You know, I guess it makes sense. You know, even and Voyager. even if the the movie wasn't uh, too. Um, Meyer's liking that doesn't mean that he didn't meet people on it and uh, yeah. form lasting relationships. I think that's something which you you see a lot in movies. Like I keep on going back to like the faculty that happened with the faculty, where half the cast of that movie was in Robert Rodriguez's other movies. To bring up the movies. faculty again, um, <laughs> Terry O'Quinn, who would would be in in uh, Pegasus, 
in yes. Star Trek The Next Generation, as well as things like Lost and everything. Terry O'Quinn is You just, might know him from Lost. He, he's he's such a good actor. Like, I buy him in anything. He died in X-Files continuity twice. <laughs> yeah, because he was on Millennium, right? And mm, Well, mm, no, he died in X-Files continuity twice. If you include Millennium, he's still alive. Okay. So there are three Terry O'Quinns in X-Files continuity. One of them is alive. Two of them are dead. Okay. One of them dies in the movie. The other one dies in season seven. No, eight. I forgot that he was in the movie. He's so good in that movie and that one scene that he's in. Where he gets blown up? Yeah. Oh, man, that, that, that movie is so good. I, I, I'm sorry. I keep on thinking about X-Files, the movie, and I just, that movie is, is excellent. Excellent. You're a terrible person. <laughs> Stephen Charles Jaffe, you know, who is a longtime collaborator with Nicholas Meyer, we've talked about a couple times, he uh, produced and uh, was the second unit director on both this and Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. And Ronald Roos, who we talked about on our Volunteers uh, episode, uh, was also the editor on this movie. And I think this movie is really well put together uh, again. So, mm. so there's your Star Trek people. A lot more than there were in The Deceivers, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's more than two. Mm-hmm. So, uh, any final thoughts on company business? It's always interesting seeing things that are odd. And this is a particularly odd spy movie in that it does seem to not really care so much about the big picture. It is kind of a super localized, like, on-the-ground story of two guys. Mm-hmm. which is 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 novel it's interesting it is interesting the idea of like ending the story when they get away cuz it does make sense i mean if you're if you were caught in between you know the KGB and the CIA and and you managed to like get out you wouldn't turn back and go face them you'd just keep going you'd say all right my name's steve give me a last name jaffy jaffy i'm a painter from Texas, whose wife recently died, and now I'm moving to, let's say, the Ukraine. Just make up a bunch of nonsense in order to establish identity so you don't have to deal with any of this craziness, because they'll kill you. Mm-hmm. Of course. Of course the story would end with them escaping. But as a viewer, I mean, I've watched the bad guys conspiring, and I've watched these, you know, these diabolical guys trying to get these two guys who never did anything wrong. And, like, they know. Like, there's a point where they're like, are we really going to kill this guy? He didn't do anything wrong. And they're like, yeah, we're going to kill this guy. He didn't do anything wrong. We're going to kill him. We're going to kill him. So, of course, they would get away. And, of course, they wouldn't deal with any of the larger problems because it's it's too big for two guys to handle. Especially one of them. He's a ballerino. What's he going to do? So, uh, it's it's weird. It feels unsatisfying as a viewer, but I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm happy that I saw it because, I mean, I've never seen a movie that had such an unsatisfying ending because the two guys get away. They got away. It makes sense that it would end there. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this movie uh, more than uh, Meyer's last two. I don't think that it's as uh, significant as some of his other movies, but, I mean, in some ways I see it as sort of... Uh, this alternate uh, reality. Like, there's a thing that I, I, I sort of uh, think about a lot when it comes to uh, filmmakers' careers, 
and that's the movies that they didn't make. You know, and and there are times where like you you'll hear things like. Um, well, you want to imagine the parallel universe where Kubrick made AI? No, more of like the the hired gun sort of take, where you hear things like um, Kevin Smith was offered Arthur, and he came really close to making it because yeah. he read the script and he thought it was really good, and he he was he was talking about making Arthur. He said he came very close, and in the end, he decided not to. And one of the reasons was because um, he didn't want to be that guy. He didn't want to be the the hired studio gun. And, um, you know, part of me thinks like, man, if Kevin Smith had made Arthur, that would be a really good movie. And yet it wouldn't be up to the standards that most of Kevin Smith's movies are up to. I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan. You know, I'll put that right out there. You know, I'm, I I think that uh, he's only made one movie, which isn't a four-star movie. But then I think, like, the guy who chooses to make Arthur is not Kevin Smith. Like, the Wait. guy who chooses to make Arthur is <laughs> is not... It, it, like, if Kevin Smith... Hold on. Are you saying that the guy who made Arthur isn't Kevin Smith? No, no, no. Here, let me rephrase it. The point that I'm getting at here is that when I look at company business, I see an alternate reality where Nicholas Meyer is a gun for hire, and he would make these movies, just, just, he could make movies like this in his sleep because he's that good at it. But if he were to do that, we would not care about Nicholas Meyer's movies because, you know, while he does only make, like, one movie every few, well, now, I mean, he hasn't made a movie forever because no one will give him money, but you wouldn't look forward to the new Nicholas Meyer movie because even if it was really well made, there would be nothing to it, you know? I know what you mean. Okay. I, I just don't think that the the I think that the, the hired gun thing is is not as loaded as some people think it is. It's there are there's plenty people, people who, who do manage it. to I mean, go back and forth. Yeah, there there are people who manage to go back and forth. There are people who manage to do it, you know. But the, the, I don't know. I mean, there's something about you know, like like a Tarantino movie, you know, and it's like we only get like five of them, you know, like a decade or or less than that. Um, but when they do come out, you know, it, it's it's really special, and you know, whatever. Um, so, so that's it for company business. As always, you can find us at commentarytrackstars.com, where we do our other show, Commentary Track Stars, and uh, you can find us on Twitter at comtrackstars, or email us at comtrackstars at gmail dot com, or go to trek fm and uh, you know go to the forum, leave us some feedback. I always post a a, a, a thread. Where uh, for each episode where we look for feedback and it's very rare that we get um, a response and when we do it's usually um, from someone who's on the network with us uh, which you know doesn't really count I guess well it's not that surprising it's you know it's forums yeah the people who are go, there most often are the people who I guess so like to hang out go, there go to the forum there's no reason why this forum shouldn't be like thriving by this point Go there. Well, it is a forum. Talk about some Star Trek. They talk about Star Trek on the forum. Yeah. Which Star Trek is best? They Original have, series. They have a thread for that. You know? Job done. I just solved that. Okay. It's okay. We don't need that thread anymore. All right. So, uh, yeah, there's many ways to contact us. We, we look forward to hearing your feedback. And uh, we are almost done 
with Nicholas Meyer. We've only got one movie left and then the recap. And uh, next week's movie is his final movie, Vendetta. <laughs>